Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Pro Basketball Talk podcast here at NBC Sports. I am Kurt Heelan, the managing editor over at Pro Basketball Talk, the guy who guides you through these conversations. And today, that conversation about the Chicago Bulls, and we're bringing in an old friend, Sean Hyken, who worked with us and has done a bunch of us podcasts here at NBC and is now uh, working for The Athletic, covering the Bulls, which, look, you should be subscribing. It's good stuff from him and a lot of the writers there. Sean, thanks for jumping in. It's a little reunion, Kurt. How you doing? Good to be with you. I'm doing good. Thank you for taking the time from a hotel room in, in beautiful Cleveland. Cleveland's lovely in the middle of winter. Uh, if you oh, get absolutely. The <laughs> well, you're coming from Chicago, so you're, you're more used to the cold. Like, yeah, I, would, I, would yeah, just I mean, I, I, it's not like I've never seen you know snow or wind before, but it's it's certainly not pleasant outside. No. Well, let's, let's get right into the Bulls and kind of the big story right now, which is Rajon Rondo has been... I would I would think in the minds of most Bulls fans, finally, <laughs> moved moved to the bench and where he is now the third point guard towel waving guy behind Michael Carter Williams and Grant. It was time for this to happen, but how much better does it make the team in the short term? Well, I think it I think it's not so much about in the short term. I think it's just they Kurt, they know what they're getting out of Rondo. And, you know, some nights he's very good. He had a triple. They're playing the Cavs tonight. He had a triple-double against the Cavs uh, when they beat them in Chicago about a month ago. You know, he's had games where he's been very good, but just on a night-to-night basis, the defense isn't there. And, you know, the other the other thing is, you know, Jaron Grant is a guy they got back in the Derrick Rose trade, and that's a guy that they were high on before the draft. And Michael Carter-Williams they acquired uh, right before the season started. And so those are kind of younger guys with maybe more of a long-term future in Chicago. So they want to get a longer look at those guys and see what they can do rather than just keep playing Rondo where, you know, they kind of know what they're going to get out of him. As well as Denzel Valentine got some run in the last game uh, before Cleveland and looked pretty good until he rolled his ankle. Yeah, and he's not even here in Cleveland with them. He didn't even make the trip. Um, So I get that, but obviously, look, Rondo signed there to be the starting point guard. There's a dynamic there. This is a situation where my guess is, and, and tell me, if this is what you're getting the sense of around the team, they're going to keep him possibly through the trade deadline time. See if there's any interest in picking him up out there. And if not, they'll figure out a buyout and let him go somewhere else. But he's not really part of the long-term plan. I think that's probably the most likely scenario. And frankly, after the other nights, they lose to, he he gets benched. They lose. They're in Indiana on uh, December 30th. They lose that game. He doesn't play at all in the second half. The next night, New Year's Eve, uh, they play the Bucks at home. MCW starts for the first time this season. Rondo doesn't play at all in that game. And then Rondo said after that game that he and Gar Foreman were going to have a conversation. And so then the sense, just from me and some of the other reporters, he didn't say it, but he did say, 
you know, he did say to us on the record that he is not afraid to ask them to either trade him or buy him out if it gets the sense that he's not going to uh, be playing going forward. And so, you know, some of us, uh, you know, the reporters afterwards were talking amongst ourselves and saying, you know, is he even going to be on the team in 24 to 48 hours? Like, what, what's, what's going to happen here? Is he going to just get bought out, like, overnight? But the sense that I've gotten is that, you know, in the meeting that he had with the front office, they just told him, you know, be a professional, stay ready. And to his credit, I mean, I know he's a guy that has a history of this kind of stuff where, you know, when stuff doesn't go his way, you know, he'll maybe either check out or be a problem in the locker room. Obviously, his time in Dallas did not end well for anybody. But people I've talked to in the organization on and off the record have all consistently said that Rondo has handled this whole situation about as well as you could expect him to, and he's staying engaged, and he's, you know, helping out the young guys, giving them advice from the bench, stuff like that, and I would say I probably agree with you. I think just just the fact that he hasn't gotten into any of these games, and the writing is kind of on the wall for what his role is going to be, I think you're probably right, and that's the sense that I've gotten, too, that they're going to hang on to him until, like, first of all, because for, uh, the other thing is, what if Jerry and Grant or MCW, MCW just missed six weeks with a yeah. wrist injury? What if what if he gets hurt and they need him and they've already bought him out? Then it's like, you'd still rather play him than Isaiah Cannon, who uh, yeah. might not be an NBA player at this point. But, like, uh, you know, the other thing is, you know, what if a team, another team's point guard gets injured and they get desperate and... Not, not that the Bulls would be able to get anything back for Rondo, but if another team suddenly has a need at point guard and wants him bad and you know is willing to take on his contract without having the Bulls attach a pick or something like that, which at this point I think is what it would take to unload him to another team, then you know that possibility might present itself between now and the deadline. But yeah, I think by March 1st, I, he's not going to be on the Bulls roster, whether it's by trade or by buyout. Yeah, and it'd be interesting to see what kind of market there is for him because I, the general sense was that the Bulls kind of overpaid to bring him in. But I he, can think of one coach that uh, might want to bring him in that is also the GM of a team that likes to have players that he coached in the late two thousands when they were good. <laughs> um, there is that. Uh, look, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, if you can get if I if you're talking about obviously Doc and the Clippers, they could use the depth especially behind Chris Paul, if they can get just, but he'd have to accept the role. Like, look, that's Chris Paul's team. And especially once you got into the postseason, CP3 is going to well, see 35 Doc, minutes a Doc's night. His, Doc's his guy though. He always, he had Doc yeah. go way back. But I honestly, like I was looking around at the, uh, at, at the, you know, around the league to think, you know, let's say Rondo does get bought out between now and uh, March 1st, which is the deadline for teams to sign somebody off the buyout market. Uh, in order to be eligible for the playoffs, or that's when they have to be bought out by. Which I would assume that if they're not going to play him and they can't trade him, they're going to at least do him a solid and buy him out in time for him to sign with the playoffs. And I was looking around, just around the league. I don't see a fit, because he's just no. not the player, and frankly, he hasn't really been a very good NBA point guard since the ACL injury in 2013. He was obviously one of the best point defensive point guards in the league before that when he was with the Celtics. He has basically mailed it in on the defensive end for the entirety of the last four years, he still can't shoot. He's an incredible passer, obviously, but you know he still does, kind of does that thing that he did in Sacramento last year, where he'll just kind of hold the ball until he can get an assist, and then he'll pass it. Yeah, it, it's it's a really awkward fit, and he isn't really totally willing to accept the role that's kind of going to fall to him at this point. Of like, he'd be fine off the bench, but not as a starter, and that becomes that could become an issue. You know, it, again, it would. 
if you're to use your example before, like, yeah, you go to the Clippers, obviously that's Chris Paul's team, but is he willing to accept that, that role for them? So it's part of though, that whole kind of weird summer of the bulls that we've, you know, a lot of us have talked about before. We're going to get younger. Yeah. We're going to get younger. We're going to build around, you know, Noah, not Noah. We're going to build around Jimmy Butler. We've got what we want now. We're going to make this work. Then they go out and get Wade and Rondo, who are older and are going to need time. And it, it, they were kind of win-now moves, and the team has responded by being 500. They're okay. They're winning. I mean, they're winning more than they were. If the playoffs started today, they'd eke in as the eighth seed. But that can't have been the goal. Well, they kind of had. They kind of made the choice to go in that direction on draft night when they had an opportunity to trade Jimmy Butler either to the Timberwolves or to the Celtics they had a couple of deals they were talking about and what that would have done remember that did they traded Derrick Rose to the Knicks the day before the draft so if you trade Derrick Rose to the Knicks and then you trade Jimmy Butler for young players and picks the next day then you're just saying okay we're just going to completely blow this up and hit the reset button and go into a full-on rebuild which is something that they haven't done since the couple of years right after Michael Jordan retired in the late 90s early 2000s so once they decided to keep Jimmy Butler, they said, "Okay, look, we have you know an all-star, you know, top twenty player who's in his prime right now. We don't want to rebuild right now." And so you can kind of see where the you know how the string of events that led to these moves happening. You know, obviously, I don't think on July first they expected that Dwayne Wade would be available. I think you and I both, like everybody yeah. else, expected that he was just going to end up back in Miami and. You know, he was just using these other teams that he was talking to for leverage. I don't think they thought it was a legitimate possibility until like a day or two before he actually signed. But the Rondo thing, so once they trade Derek, they have no point guard on the roster because, you know, Jaron Grant is a guy that they liked going into the draft in 2015, but he didn't play much in New York his rookie year. Like, I don't think they felt like he was ready to start. And once they decided that they weren't going to completely rebuild, you need a veteran point guard or at least somebody who can competently run an NBA offense. And then if you look at what was available out there on that free agent market um, at the point guard position, there really wasn't much out there. Mike Conley was never really seriously going to consider leaving Memphis. And uh, Brooklyn got their deal done with Jeremy Lin pretty quickly in free agency. I think they got the deal actually done on July 1st, so he was never really an option, even though I think he would have been a better fit. But other than that, there really wasn't much out there. And meanwhile, Rajon Rondo... You know, he had a good statistical year last year in Sacramento, but that team wasn't very good, and it was kind of empty numbers with some of the assist numbers that he was getting. And he was looking around, and he just didn't really have a lot of interest on the free agent market. And so the Bulls looked around at him and were like, they, they basically kind of mutually said, look, okay, you know, you don't have a huge market of teams wanting to sign you. We need a veteran point guard. Let's try this for a year and see if it works. And the other thing, that made people optimistic that it would work is that Fred Hoiberg is, and Rondo actually said this directly at his introductory press conference back in July, that he thinks he was going to get along with Hoiberg because he's not a dominant personality. Because if you remember, the, the reason that it flamed out so badly in Dallas a couple of years ago is yeah. because Rick Carlisle is the kind of coach that really likes to micromanage and be hands-on with the kind of plays that he calls. And Fred Hoiberg is not that guy. Fred is the kind of guy who's, more than willing to say, hey, okay, Rajon Rondo and Dwayne Wade, you guys call the plays. You guys do whatever you want. But the fact is that Rondo, just as a player, is not at either end of the floor. It's just not the player he was four years ago. And that's and that's, and that's kind of, I think, the biggest reason that he's been benched. And you get a little more with Michael Carter-Williams. Just, look, he's 
he's giving you better effort defensively. And as you had written me when we were talking about this before, he's just more. He is a he is not a better shooter, but he's more no. likely to shoot it than Rondo, right. and that actually right. helps. Right, because with, with, with Rondo, like he's he's you know it, it would just be laughable sometimes when he's on the floor with the other starters. Teams would just treat him the way that you know remember that series between the Warriors and the Grizzlies in the playoffs a couple of years ago where they just would not even put anybody on Tony Allen out in the perimeter and just say okay you want it, you want an open three take all the open threes you want that's the way the teams have been guarding Rondo this year because they know that he's absolutely no threat of any kind to make a shot and then when he drives it into the lane he's such a bad free throw shooter that he's like averse to absorbing contact so when even when he drives into the basket he's not going to go up for a layup he's going to go and try to kick it out to somebody else they don't have any other shooters either so like for him to kick it out to so it just wasn't working with mcw like he he's like you said he's not a good shooter and in fact he's a very bad shooter but he's not afraid to take an open three when he gets it and when he drives to the basket he might put it up for a layup in addition to you know he's a bigger point guard he's Six five six six, so he can see the floor pretty well. And the other thing is, he tries on defense. He's long. He can get you know he'll go for steals. He'll you know he he's going to give you more effort on the defensive end than uh, Rondo ever has since since the injury. So Rondo's out, and eventually they'll go looking for a point guard. But this starts to beg the other question that came up, like you said, during the draft last year, and it's the bigger picture question for them on on a potential rebuild. Would they now consider moving Butler, or is that just completely off the table? They would have to get absolutely blown away by an offer in order, I think, to move Jimmy. The thing, the thing with Jimmy is it's not – this isn't a situation like you know Carmelo Anthony in Denver or Chris Paul in New Orleans where like they got – or Kevin Love in, in uh, Minnesota where they got the sense that he was going to leave, and so they could had, just had to kind of get whatever they could get for him. He's under contract – he can't opt out. He signed a five-year deal in the summer of 2015 with the last year's a player option, so he can't become a free agent until 2019. And then, obviously, with the new CBA, and I wrote about this at The Athletic a couple weeks ago when the details of the new CBA first came out, if he makes All-NBA two of the next three years, he's going to be eligible for that super max deal that only the Bulls can get him, can give to him, but he could make over $200 million over the life of that deal. So the Bulls, I think, are pretty confident that they don't have to move on from him. They don't have to. They're not really in danger of losing him because under the new CBA, they can pay him so much more money than anybody else. And he has so many more years before his free agency. And if you have a top, I think he's top, you know, I think he's like at this point, a top 15 player in the league, maybe borderline top 10, even he's had a phenomenal year. So if you have a guy like that, who's 27 is under contract for a few more years, you're going to need, I think a better package of stuff that any team is really equipped to offer them right now. So I don't, I, I don't really see that happening anytime soon. Yeah, and it just doesn't look. The hardest part of doing a rebuild, whether you're, you're talking Philadelphia or, or anywhere else, you know, and how Philadelphia went about it, but frankly, anywhere is getting that one or ideally two guys. You have to get those foundational top 20, build a team around them. You know, we might be able to win a, actually, frankly, top 10. Can we build a championship around this guy kind of guys? I don't know if Butler's completely that guy, but he's pretty close to it. And you don't give those guys up. Like, you can't move those guys. You you build around those guys. It's 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 the Sacramento problem with DeMarcus Cousins right now. Who are they going to get that's better? Like, you can talk all, you, all day long about moving him and rebuilding, 
they get rid of Cousins, they are another three years out of the playoffs. They are. It is going to take at least. It's going to take time. Chicago would. Chicago can. Indiana is kind of in the same position with Paul George. Yeah, exactly. In twenty in twenty uh, in twenty eighteen, he can opt out. He can leave, and you know maybe he will if the Pacers aren't going anywhere. Because right now it seems like that roster is going nowhere. But they would have no even if. Even if they get the sense he's going to leave, I think they are going to hope, or they're going to hang on yeah. to him until he's a free agent and hope that he resigns because there's no guarantee. Even if you get a couple of good picks, like even if they trade him to the Celtics for a couple of those Brooklyn picks, you hope that maybe there's a one in ten chance that whoever you get with whichever one of those draft picks you get is going to someday become as good of a player as you know Jimmy Butler or Paul George or Demarcus Cousins is right now. Right, and Cousins was top five, you know, a high pick, but. You're talking about guys like Paul George was not taken that high, you know. Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler was the thirtieth pick. He was the last pick. Yeah, last the pick of the first round. And you've got also, you know, the other example out there right now, Kawhi Leonard. He's he's pretty good. Like he yeah. fell he fell way down the board. And if you Giannis, Giannis, Giannis is yeah, pick. and Giannis, which is why I'm pretty laughable, just kind of as an aside for the with the Bulls that. Uh, and on Christmas Day, I don't know if you saw this, but John Paxson, the Bulls' uh, VP of basketball operations, did a radio interview by one of the local yeah. stations here in Chicago, and he talked about how it's hard to find impact players outside of the lottery unless you're you get just super lucky with somebody like Jimmy, like they did five years ago. But then it's like you know you look all these guys. You know Kawhi Leonard, I don't think was a lottery pick. Uh, you know Giannis, Rudy Gobert, Clint Capella. There's all these guys who are doing more than. The Bulls' uh, last few first-round picks are doing their last. Their two most recent first-round picks, Bobby Portis and Denzel Valentine, are completely out of the rotation right now. Is Portis going to come around? Like I saw flashes from him last year, and I thought, you know, this guy could develop. I, he's not going to be an, maybe an all-star, but this would be a solid rotation guy, and he's not even in the rotation. The problem is he's such a liability on defense that you know you can't. And his offensive game isn't consistent enough. He has the skill set where. You know, maybe he, you know, he's the kind of guy he can step out and hit that 15, 18 footer. He has that versatility on offense. He just kind of, he's one of those guys who has a lot of raw skills and just hasn't put it together yet. And the other thing that's kind of keeping him glued to the bench, because he has gotten plenty of opportunity this year and just has not looked good. But the other thing that's kind of kept him on the bench is a guy that, you know, I think a lot of, you know, those of us who follow the Bulls really closely know about, but maybe on a national level, uh, Cristiano Felicio, the kid from Brazil who, was undrafted and made the team out of summer league last year. He's, I think he's he's a legitimate. I don't know if he's an NBA starting center, but he's definitely a rotation player in the NBA, and he's become the fourth big off the bench. You know, with with obviously Taj and Robin Lopez starting, and then Nico Miritich is the third big off the bench. Felicio has gotten those other minutes, and he's you know he's not the guy you're going to like get a lot of points out of, but he can rebound. He goes hard on defense. He moves well for a guy his size and. He has, frankly, just played better than Portis so far, and he's earned those minutes. All right, so you're not going to move Butler. You're going to keep him there. You're going to try to build around him. What about Taj Gibson? That's another guy that, look, his contract is up. He is going to be a free agent, and that might be something where you can get, look, you're not going to get a lottery pick, but you can get something of value back because he, he can provide something of value to a number of teams. Absolutely, and I mean, this is a guy, I've said this about him, I've thought for years that he's maybe the most underrated player in the entire NBA. Like, he's never been an all-star. He didn't really start starting consistently until last year, because back, you know, back under those Thibodeau years, he was always coming off the bench. And then last year, he, you know, he started starting alongside Pau Gasol. But, like, 
you know, he's a guy, he can start, he can come off the bench, he'll never complain about his role no matter what. He's one of the best teammates and locker room guys in the league in terms of what is – he's just one of those guys you'll never hear anybody say a bad thing about in the entire league. All of his teammates like him and respect him and look up to him. Uh, he's you know, he's pretty much been through everything. And he's the kind of guy I think every single team in the league would be better for having him on their team than not having him. And, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he's the kind of guy that, you know, if you're a, a contender, maybe not like a title contender because I think there was only two of those in the NBA, but if you're a, a playoff team that's thinking about trying to make a run, he's exactly the kind of guy you should be going after because right now the hot rumor around the NBA as far as the trade rumors is that the Hawks may be yeah. open to listening to offers for Paul Millsap, but it's going to take a lot to get Paul Millsap even though he's also going to be a free agent this summer. But, you know, if you're Toronto, let's say, and you don't want to give up what the Hawks want for Paul Millsap, which is probably multiple players and oh, yeah. you know, multiple picks. Siaka, you're going to you're going to start with Siakam, you're going to throw in some picks, and it's right, right, and you're right, going to have right. to match that salary. It's going to be expensive. Right. If, you, if you're a team like, like Toronto, let's say, doesn't want to give up what the Hawks are going to ask for Paul Millsap, Taj Gibson's a pretty damn good consolation prize. He's making $9 million this year, so it's not that hard to make the salaries match. If you can get Taj for, I don't know, like, Norm Powell in a late first rounder or something like that. Like that's a deal you make if you're Toronto because he'll help you right now. He can move right in at starting power forward. He'd be a good fit. I mean, he'd be a good fit on a lot of teams because he's so versatile and he plays both ends of the floor. But I do think that you know, especially the way that this is going right now with the Bulls going in the direction of trying to see what they have out of some of these young guys. I think at the deadline, I wouldn't be at all surprised if Taj is finally moved and he's one of those guys who's been in trade rumors for years and years. Yeah. it seems like every year he's gonna get traded at the deadline or gonna get traded in the offseason it never does i feel like with him being a free agent this summer and it's pretty clear that because of his age and how much money he's gonna want this summer with the cap going up like i don't think he's in the bulls long-term plan so i think he probably does get moved uh, before the deadline yeah i think i think that that you know it doesn't it I don't want to say it doesn't hurt the Bulls, but they can survive that a little easier and they can get something back. And you're right. He's just, it's going to be, it might not be worth the cost to keep him, uh, you know, going forward into future years. So, you know, Rondo, does Rondo, I mean, is that a, that's a non-guarantee for next year. So three million of guaranteed. So if they do move him and do a buyout, they can get out of that. Somebody can get out of that relatively cheaply, right? Um, I mean, you could, I mean, if you buy him out, you have to eat the whole fourteen million for this year. But then, if you want to stretch out the three million that he's that, that's guaranteed next year, you can basically just pay one million a year for the next three years. So that makes it not that hard to absorb. But it was still like it just goes back to they were not really bidding against anybody. They didn't have to give him that guaranteed second year. He probably would have taken the one year guaranteed. Yep. Well, um, that brings up Dwayne Wade. Does Dwayne? You know, he's got twenty three point eight next year. Does he? Opt in? Does he keep that? It's a player option. Does he come back with that, or is he going to be looking for? In his case, I don't know that he can ask for a max. I don't know that he can get a lot more money per year, but he might want the security of more years. Well, the thing is, where's he going to go? Yeah, that's not. It's not really. I mean, I know he's Dwayne Wade and he's a Hall of Famer and he's a big name and all this stuff, but I don't really see another team unless he somehow makes up with Pat Riley and they decide to do that, which I don't see that happening. <laughs> that seems highly unlikely. But, like, I just, I don't, he doesn't have anywhere else to go. And the other thing is, like, he made a big deal out of how, you know, other teams talk to, you know, him, you know, the, the Bucks or the Nuggets and the Knicks or whoever. He was never going to sign with the Denver Nuggets, even though they could have offered him more money. 
he's from Chicago. He came back because he wanted to, you know, be a presence in the community. That's a thing he talks about a lot. And frankly, I think he just, at this point in his career, I'm sure he'd like to win another championship, but he doesn't have anything to prove. He's got three titles. He's won finals MVP. He's a no doubt about it first ballot Hall of Famer. His legacy is secure. He he basically can just collect checks until he's done playing at this point. So I think you know what his options are. And he also like with, with the Rondo thing, like it's flamed out because he came here to do one thing and then they've kind of taken away that role. Dwayne Wade knew exactly what he was signing up for when yeah. he came to Chicago, and he's still part of it was he had nowhere else to go after the Heat lowballed him. And other teams didn't want to do that, and the Bulls just kind of wanted to do it because it was a big name. But he knew what he was signing up for, and I think at this point in his career with how much he's already done and how much he's already won in terms of championships and all-stars and stuff, he's perfectly fine being you know, the veteran on a young, rebuilding team with a guy like Jimmy Butler who he has already sort of taken under his wing. And I, I also want to say this, as much as it was kind of a weird on-court fit with with Wade uh, coming here in the first place just because he can't shoot and he's you know kind of older when they said they wanted to get younger and more athletic. He has been – it, it's really hard to overstate how positive of a presence he's been off the court in the locker room. He's been so great for Jimmy in particular. Jimmy, he's a guy that Jimmy – obviously he had kind of issues last year with the way he was trying to lead the team rough to people the wrong way. You know, that, that whole thing with him saying that Fred Hoiberg needs to coach the team harder. Wade has been so good for him, and he's somebody that Jimmy respects so much that, like, he's, he's really been able to, I think, bring out the best in Jimmy. And he's also, like, like you know, he's he, if some of these younger guys, they'll all talk about how great it's been to watch him, and, you know, he teaches them all how to conduct themselves as professionals. Like, so just for that standpoint, he's been worth the money for the Bulls, and I think he's going to stick around for at least a couple more years. All right, let's move on to one other interesting guy. Nikola Mirotic, why the regression this year, particularly in three-point shooting? This is a guy I thought, all right, they need shooting. This is a guy who can step up and give them that shooting as kind of a stretch war, and his role is just going to grow and grow and grow over the course of the year. At this point, are they thinking to trade him, or are they thinking they can bring this around? Do you just kind of give him the qualifying offer and bring him back and see what restricted free agency brings in a year? I have no idea, and I don't think they really know what's going to happen with him either. He was a guy, if you remember, they draft him in 2011. I think he was the 23rd pick. Uh, he didn't come over until 2014, but until but before then, he was the guy that, like, whenever the Bulls were in these trade rumors for you know a bigger name, he'd be like the hot you know prospect that they would throw in, like, hey, they've got the rights to this guy, or you know, Bulls fans would be like, oh, well, they've got Miritich coming over in a couple of years, and you know, he's going to be you know a stretch forward. He can he can do all this stuff. He's had times where he looked very good. He had a he had a very good uh, rookie season last year. He completely regressed, and I think with him, it's just a total confidence thing. Like if he doesn't make his first shot every uh, on any given night, like you, you can basically not count on him giving you anything because he's he's the kind of guy where if he has a couple of bad games, he's going to get so down on himself where. You know, he's just it's going to take him a couple of years to get out of the spiral. And you know, a couple of weeks ago when they played the Bucks. He sat those two games. He just got benched for those two games, and then he gets back in the lineup, and he has a streak of five games in a row where he scores the double figures. It looks as good as he has all season, but then since then he hasn't really done much after that. So I just I don't think the Bulls know what he is. I do think I I think they're gonna not be able to just sign him to the qualifying offer this summer. He's gonna get offers because just because teams are gonna be able to talk themselves into him with his skill set and what he theoretically could bring. Like I could see. Let's say New Orleans. I know they just signed Moda Eunice, but New Orleans could say, you know, Brian Anderson was so good next to Anthony Davis when he was healthy. You know, we can talk ourselves into him, or you know, uh, 
Brooklyn or somebody somebody like that. I, I think he's going to get a pretty big offer sheet this summer, and I don't know if the Bulls are going to match it. But, yeah, that's a guy that the Bulls have really needed a lot more out of than they've gotten. What, where do you see the Bulls? I mean, I really look at that everywhere from Charlotte through, frankly, Detroit, if they can figure out their defense. Um, starting to kind of, it's such a clump in the East, and it just feels like whoever's healthiest is going to end up making the postseason out of this group. Whether, look, Milwaukee's kind of climbing up, but I'm not sold on Atlanta. I'm not sold on Indiana. Washington's been playing better than lost a couple. The Knicks are certainly not out of it. Orlando shows you flashes. It just feels like nobody in that group has kind of taken charge and moved up to a clear four because I'm assuming that we're going to, look, Cleveland's one, Toronto's two. I think Boston probably sticks at three. And then it's, you know, four games separating the four seed and the 12 seed. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would agree with you. I think, assuming health, I mean, it's all. It, this is all based, like, like you said, it's all based on health. If anything happens to Jimmy Butler, the Bulls are completely done. If anything happens to Paul George, the Pacers are just completely finished as far as being a playoff team. You know, if anything happens to Carmelo Anthony, the Knicks are probably uh, not going to make the playoffs either. So Any, like, anything to Porzingis, let's be honest. Right, 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 Porzingis, right. Every team has one or two guys where you, you know, you just, those guys cannot get hurt. So part of it is just who's going to be the healthiest. But the other thing to me is, you know, like you said, there are three teams in the East that we know are good, which are Cleveland, Toronto, Boston. There are three teams that we know are bad, which are Philly, Brooklyn, and Miami. Like, those three teams are completely out of it at this point. But beyond that, like, they're all pretty much just interchangeable. I think Charlotte's a little better than some of those other uh, teams in that group. But other than that, those teams are all pretty interchangeable. And I think the Bulls, you know, again, provided he stays healthy, that's the, you know, that's the big elephant in the room here. But the Bulls' best player, I think, is better than the best player on any of those other teams, with the possible exception of Milwaukee with the leap that Giannis has made and uh, yeah. Paul George in Indiana. But, I, you know, I just think they're top-end talent just, just because of what Jimmy Butler can give them on a night-to-night basis. I think that's going to be enough if he stays healthy to get them into the playoffs. Now, whether they can win a playoff series, I have serious doubts about that. But I think yeah. they have as good of a chance to get in as any of these other teams. You know, Detroit's a mess right now. The Pacers... Or have some stuff to figure out. Like you said, Washington's been playing a little bit better, but the Knicks, you know, you literally just two days ago, Jeff Hornacek said that maybe the Knicks are just not capable of playing defense, so that's not great. Yeah, well, when your coach is saying that, yeah, it's a pretty bad sign. They, It's weird to think how much they you watch them. They actually miss Porzingis, not because he's a great rim defender, but he's 7'3 with freakishly long arms. Like, he just, yeah. he, he changes shots when he's in there. He blocks some stuff, and it's not his forte, but they just don't have anybody... You know, Noah is not that guy anymore. And Noah's, Noah's been awful. Yeah. And, it, and it, it makes me sad because he's such a good guy. And yeah. I was really happy for him when he got that contract because he was really underpaid for his time in Chicago. But he is just not. And, you know, maybe this is Tibbs running him into the ground. Maybe this is just him, you know, losing his athleticism as he got older. But he is just like there are certain guys where like I, Gerald Wallace a few years ago is another example of this. But there are some guys where they. The guy, the guys who really rely on athleticism and don't have a lot of skills in, ter- in terms of offense, like once they, once it goes, it just goes. And Noah, I think, I think he's done. Yeah. So we've been talking about the weird kind of roster fit and how these pieces fit together or or really are, don't fit together at times, and and just kind of the the strangeness of the roster building. Are the is the front office is there a hot seat there for Paxson and Foreman? Are it, if there's some look, it, the change I'm not sure is Hoiberg. That was their guy. I'm not sure that he's the issue. I, 
are are is there a hot seat for them, or are they pretty safe? Well, first of all, the Hoiberg hot seat stuff. I would be absolutely stunned if Fred got fired anytime soon for the reason that you said, and also because he signed a five-year five year, deal yeah. for twenty-five million dollars. So the Bulls aren't gonna, you know, fire him and then because when they when they fired Tom Thibodeau, first of all, they fired Tom with two years left on his deal. It had to get as bad as it got between him and management before they were willing to do that. And the other thing is, you know, with, with a lot of these coaching contracts, the language kind of offsets where if, a, if, a, if somebody gets hired by another team, then, you know, they, they're off the hook for that money. The Bulls kind of knew when they fired Tom, maybe they'd have to pay him for one year. But just because of who he is and his track record, his reputation, somebody was going to hire him. And now you see, like, he, he got that deep contract from Minnesota. So now they're not paying him for this last year of his contract. If they fire Fred, he's not getting another NBA job anytime nope. soon, I don't think. So, like, they would actually have to pay him on top of paying a new coach because you know, right now the market rate for an NBA coach is five, six, seven million dollars a year, depending on how big of a name it is. So, just just on that, uh, from that standpoint, I think there's no way he's going to get fired anytime soon. And I'm, again, I'm not sure that he's really the issue. It's more just the roster construction that's on management as far as their job security. I can tell you right now that John Paxson isn't going anywhere anytime soon until he decides to step away or retire. He has a lifetime pass from Jerry Reinsdorf. He was the first big free agent that Reinsdorf signed back in the 90s. Reinsdorf is one of the most loyal guys in the league. That's his guy. He's never he's going to be with the organization as long as he wants to be with the organization for the rest of his life. So there's that. As far as Gar, I mean, maybe he becomes the next scapegoat if they don't want to justify firing Hoiberg and paying him the amount of money that they pay him. But I think the front office is pretty safe at this point in terms of job security, which, you know, that's its own set of questions, whether they should be considering the job they've done the last few years, building the, uh, this roster and how, you know, how awkward of a fit it is and how badly they've drafted since the Jimmy Butler draft. And it's, I, I mean, there, there's a lot of questions about them, but I don't think there's any big changes coming anytime soon. Well, if they want to get rid of Hoiberg, Vinny Del Negro is still available. Like he is out there. Vinny Del can... Negro is still available. I think Scott Skiles is still available. Too. <laughs> exactly. Floyd, they could probably get back if they wanted to. Yeah. Uh, just get you know, some of these other legendary Bulls coaches from the, from the past few years. But, yeah, I, I, I don't even know where else they could turn. I mean, the other thing with Hoiberg, like you said, he's their, he's their guy. They, when they fired Tom Thibodeau, they had already, behind the scenes, been talking to Hoiberg and kind of recruiting him and getting him to leave that job at Iowa to agree to leave that job at Iowa State. And I think it was 24 or 48 hours after they had the press conference, after they fired Tom, they already, you know, Woj and like the national guys were already reporting the years and money on Hoiberg's contract, so they they hired him without even interviewing any candidates. So yeah. it's like, so it's like when you fire a coach, and again, that uh, the divorce between them and Tibbs needed to happen. It had just gotten so bad the relationship there on both sides. And there was fault on both sides. That's a whole other thing that I don't really feel like rehashing right now. But when you fire a coach with the kind of track record and success that Tom Thibodeau had, and then you hire a college coach who has never coached in the NBA before without even going through a coaching search and interviewing other candidates, you better nail that hire. It had better be like the kind of runaway success of a college coach moving to the NBA that Brad Stevens has been in Boston. So it would just be such a bad look, like from an optics standpoint for the organization, if they hire Hoiberg kind of with that questionable process, and then he flames out after a couple of years on top of them having to pay him plus paying his replacement. So I think he's pretty safe right now. Yeah, exactly. Plus, look, if Hoiberg does get let go, 
yeah, there might be some interest or teams that like, hey, do you want to be an assistant in the NBA? Right, he right, can right. write his own ticket in college. He would go back in the yeah. it is the same way Patino and Calipari and all these guys. He would be able to Brad go Stevens, where he like, wanted and get. Brad, I don't think Brad Stevens is going to leave the Celtics anytime soon, but he could get any college job he wanted if he ever decided to leave. The yeah, Celtics. exactly. And Hoiberg has a good enough reputation. I mean, he built up Iowa State. Like yeah. he, he's going to be able to go and he stayed there because he loved Ames and he, he he didn't want to go anywhere. But if he went, if he decide, if he leaves, he can go pretty much anywhere. He will be able to cherry pick his college job. And like you said, that's not going to count against his, the bulls are still going to pay him. So it's, it's, it's not going to happen probably in the short term. I just, he's not the problem, but if you're going to stick with this front office, then you may, you may be sticking with this roster construction issue for a while. Cause they just, there doesn't seem to be, I, I just, the long, I don't want to say there doesn't seem to be a long-term pattern. It just seems to change too often. Like I just, I think, <laughs> You have the same questions that all of us have, Kurt. I don't know what the answers are. I mean, yeah. and the other thing is, you know, they're talking about wanting to play these young players. They're, like their track record of drafting guys is not good. Like since so since so since Jimmy Butler, obviously they they hit Jimmy Butler with a thirtieth pick in two thousand eleven. That was a home run pick. Like obviously that worked out about as well as you can ever expect a thirtieth pick to work out. Two thousand twelve, they drafted Marcus T. He's out of the league in two years. Two thousand thirteen. A lot of the coaching staff was really pushing hard for Gorgie Jane, who has been pretty good in Minnesota. He's been so, yeah, it's a solid, that's a solid rotational yeah. big man. Yeah, like, and, and he was a guy, this isn't just like hindsight, oh, well, they drafted this guy when this guy was available. I do know that a lot of the coaching staff at the time was pushing for Gorgie Jane. The front office ended up taking Tony Snell that year, and he's actually done okay in Milwaukee, but he showed nothing his three years yeah. in Chicago. So that, And then, you know, Doug McDermott, I still have hope that Doug is going to be a rotation player in the NBA, but if you just look at it from a, from a you know, asset management standpoint they had the 16th and the 19th pick in that draft they traded both of those picks and another second rounder to move up to number 11 to get Doug and then they had to trade two more second round picks as part of that trade because as part of that trade with Denver they took back Anthony Randolph's contract and then they had to give Orlando two first rounders to take the Anthony Randolph contract off their hands so they gave up five picks for Doug and then Bobby Portis hasn't done anything and Denzel Valentine hasn't done anything so like it's they, you know, the, you, they, when you look at like their, their young players, you want to say, okay, maybe you rebuild around Jimmy Butler and some of these young players. Like none of their young guys are guys that you can look at and say, and even Jaron Grant, who they traded for, none of these guys are guys you can look at and say this is definitely a piece that you want to build around long term. The closest thing they have to that is Cristiano Felicio, who's an undrafted kid that they found in summer league. Yeah, yeah. So enjoy next summer in Chicago when, <laughs> when they come around and try to. Try to try to rework this thing a little bit, Sean. Thank you so much for jumping in with us today, man. Yeah, it's good. To, it's always good to talk to you, Kurt. Um, I'll see you. I'll probably see you in New Orleans. Yeah, I, I I know a place in New Orleans that serves pretty good food. There's like one. So it's, I, it's an okay food city. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure we can figure we gotta, out something. We gotta, go, we gotta go back to that place we went. Uh, oh yeah, no, actually, I actually, duck, I've, I've already pastrami sliders, whatever that. No, the, the duck pastrami sandwich was like one of the best things ever, and I already like I know where that is. We're, we're good, so we will uh, we'll pimp that in, on the Absolutely. next podcast when I suddenly like I've gone blank on the name, but I've already looked it up. So, um, yeah. All right, man. Thanks a lot for doing this. And thanks, everybody, for listening. You can, of course, find Sean's work at The Athletic. And again, it's worth subscribing to. They've got uh, quality guys covering a bunch of the teams around the NBA. And, of course, thanks for listening to this podcast. Subscribe to us and leave comments over at iTunes. 
You can find us at Audio Boom with all the other NBC Sports podcasts. You can find us on Google Play. Stitcher is a great place to find us and organize all your podcasts. Uh, the, the Westworld podcast that you're behind on now that you're starting to catch up on that stream. And we'll get into in a future podcast why you should be listen, watching Stranger Things, which I'm now like halfway through and, and find phenomenal. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.